Good morning. It's good to see all the smiling faces. Most are smiling. We do have a few out, and that leads us to some faces um, that have a more clueless, scared look. Uh, That's because several of our women have headed off to Dallas for a conference. They're on their way back uh, as we speak. I've been visiting with my wife. She she went with several ladies and said it's been been really great. Um, But she's not here. She left me with three kids. One of them's a five-month-old. Five-month-old. Uh, and so we have several of our husbands who are just anxiously awaiting the arrival of our wives uh, so we can go hide in the closet for a few hours uh, and not hear the word, Daddy, 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 please make me another sandwich or whatever it is that needs to happen. But we're all excited that you are uh, here to join us um, so we can worship God. Also excited about one more thing I wanted to share. I'm going to see if I can pick him out. He, he's hard to hide, but I see him. He's ducking down. Shelby, will you stand up for just a second? We want to take a moment and recognize Shelby. Uh, eight days ago, he received his um, uh, Eagle uh, Merit Badge. Is that the correct term? He's an Eagle Scout, and uh, it was a very special presentation. Um, lots of, of young men... Uh, aspire to be Boy Scouts, but only a very, very small fraction of them become Eagle Scouts. That's the highest honor that you can get, and it is not given away. It takes lots of work. Uh, I think I counted 35 badges. Is that correct? Pretty close. I think you need 21 to be an Eagle Scout, so he just blew that one out of the water. So everybody, let's give Shelby a hand for his, his service. And of course, we know this is not the end of his service to the Lord. It is just uh, beginning. And so we're thankful for that. Uh, let's all uh, begin with a word of prayer. Father God, we just want to thank you so much for the ways that you have uh, blessed our lives. And we just ask um, that in turn, we share that blessing with other people. We sometimes are confused what it means to be blessed. We kind of have ideas of what we think they are. And so, Lord, I just pray that as we search the word of your son Jesus, that we will be reminded or maybe see for the first time what it really means to be blessed by God. Thank you so much, Jesus, for what you did for us. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Okay, so now we're starting, finally, the Beatitudes. It took us several weeks to get here. We've split these up and we're going to be looking at just the first two today. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, 3 through 4. So as you're turning there, I'm going to go ahead and get us started with what these first two Beatitudes are in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, And I hope you don't mind, I took a little liberty to translate them a little bit differently. Uh, But let's see what this first one says. It says, blessed are the self-confident, self-sufficient, self-motivators who can pull themselves up by their bootstraps for they can earn deserve, and will conquer the world. Verse 4, Blessed are the smiling thrill-seekers who are always focused on the latest gadget, the next vacation, and the new car. For more money, a bigger house, and that big job promotion will make them happy. That translation is from the TFC NASD. 21st century New American Standard Diversion. 
But it's kind of the way we choose to do life sometimes, isn't it? See, the Beatitudes, they don't make sense now, and they really didn't make a whole lot of sense then to some of the people as they read them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I'm a little confused by that. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Why would Jesus make such a comment? What's what's blessed about that? What's blessed about being poor in spirit? And then he goes on to say, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I'm struggling with that too. Because I've read a few books lately, and I've listened to a few preachers who say that your purpose on life is to be happy. That's why God created you. And what He really, really wants to do is make you happy. And if you don't believe me, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, go read the prayer of Jabez. Because Bruce Wilkinson is convinced that all you have to do is pray that God will give you more land, and He will give it to you, and you'll be happy, and that's what life is really all about, isn't it? Because if you just ask God for more things, He's going to give them to you because all He really wants to do is to make you happy. But why does Jesus say, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I want to take just a few minutes and I want to talk about what does it really mean? What does it really mean to be poor in spirit and to mourn? What does it really mean to be meek? to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to be merciful. Pure in heart, peacemakers, and persecuted. You know, we all really know what the Beatitudes are, don't we? I mean, we we understand. In fact, all you have to do is take a little bit of glance in Exodus and read about Moses on the Sermon on on the Mount of Sinai and receiving the Ten Commandments, and Matthew perfectly writes this as though Jesus is the new Moses. And he goes up on the mount, just like Moses did, and he receives these commands. And so what we have in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 3, is a checklist. It's a thing, it's a list of things that we need to do. So if you don't have a piece of paper with you, that's okay. But at least in your mind, I want you to create a column on the left side that has these little bitty boxes. Okay, can you do that in your mind? Think about this. I want you to make eight boxes. And right next to them, I want you to make a list of all the Beatitudes. Because what we're going to figure out is, if you can go down the list and do all the things that the Beatitudes say that you're supposed to do, then you're going to be blessed. Because again, that's what we're here for, right? The word blessed itself is a difficult word to translate. It comes from the Greek word makarios, which kind of means blessed. But nowadays, blessed is only a word that we really use in the religious realm. We talk about that. Or, or if somebody sneezes. I mean, that's really it. We, we don't say it elsewhere. Another way to translate makarios is is happy. And that really is not a bad word, except again, when we think of happy, we, we think of smiling. Happy are those who mourn. It doesn't really fit in. 
One commentator suggested that the best way to translate it is, well off are those who mourn. Well off are those who are poor in spirit. But I want to suggest, before you go down that checklist and start putting marks in each of the boxes, I want to suggest that maybe this is not a list. What if this isn't Jesus' cliff notes on how to be happy, how to be blessed, and how to get all the things that you really want? I want to take just a moment and I want to go a little bit deeper. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? If you look at Luke, as he writes the Sermon on the Plain, Jesus just simply says, blessed are the poor. Matthew includes poor in spirit, and so we're kind of wondering, what's the difference between the two? My thought always was, blessed are the poor in spirit must be the ones that are broke. Blessed are the ones who don't have any money in their wallet. So that must mean that, you know, the more kids that you have, the more happy you're going to be, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. But poor in spirit doesn't have to do with a bank account. It has to do with your reliance upon yourself and your reliance upon God. I don't think it's a mistake that Jesus began His very first words with this command. Because He understood something. He understood that if you want to have Jesus in your life as your Savior, you first have to make Him your Lord. Lord means Master, doesn't it? It means He can't just be the guy who comes in and saves you. He's the one who you want to dedicate your life to and serve every day. But you can't do that if you're convinced that whatever you need, you can get on your own. Now don't get me wrong. My favorite generation is the one that we call the greatest generation ever. It's the one who grew up in the 20s and the 30s and the 40s. And they went through hard time. And when they were called upon their nation to serve, they are the ones who served whether they were a man and they went out onto the field or they're a woman and they worked in the factory, they stayed around the house. They're the ones who are willing to sacrifice because they had been through hard times. I can remember that visiting my grand-grand's house and talking to my granddad and see how he had gone through tough times and he didn't take anything for granted. And he knew that no matter how bad it got, that you just don't give up. You keep going on. I shared with some of the, the deacons uh, just a, a little bit ago, I, I got caught watching a, a series on... Uh, Netflix, it's where you can download these, these movies. And for some reason, I got intrigued and started watching a six-series um, session on Auschwitz. Some of you, are, you hear that and you immediately know what I'm talking about. Others of you are not really sure. Uh, it, it's, it's actually been a terrifying weekend for me. Because I ended up watching enough of them that last night I slept about three or four hours. And I can't tell you how many times I bolted up out of bed. Of course, my wife's not home and I'm scrambling around and I keep checking on the three kids. Because I am so 
horrified by what took place. Very few Jews survived. Millions were brutally murdered. But one thing that kept getting said over and over again from the ones who made it out, they said, I just knew I couldn't give up. I had to survive. I had to keep going. That works great if you're in a concentration camp that's run by a bunch of Nazis. But what if you're in Hobbs, New Mexico when there's no gas chambers? What does it take for us to keep going on? Jesus is pretty clear. He says, until you realize that you are nothing... There's nothing I can do. I I don't want a show of hands, but how many of you realize that you're nothing? Think about that. Because when I say, who are you? You start thinking about, well, I'm the one who owns this house. I'm the one who runs this business. I'm the one who has this car. I'm the one who's done all these things. Paul says, I am nothing without Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, until you recognize that, as long as you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps, then you just really don't need me. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Have you ever mourned before? I'm not talking about stubbing your toe crying. I'm not talking about not getting the A plus when you thought you deserved it. I'm talking about that heart crushing, obliterating news. The papers that were served to you saying that the marriage was over. The phone call you got at night saying that your son or daughter isn't coming home. The doctor telling you that you're not going to make it or your loved one is going to die of cancer. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. I want us to understand something. Just because you are broken down emotionally and you are poor in spirit does not mean you will be blessed. Do not think that just because you had a horrible life and it was filled with bad news and loss and heartache, that does not mean that that means that God is just has to bless you. Do you notice that as you look at the Beatitudes, it talks about the blessing that comes first before it talks about the pain? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek, 
There's something more to this than just a list. These are not the eight things that you are called to achieve in your life. And there's a reason why Jesus is saying this. For just a moment, I want to back up in our minds and land in Exodus chapter 20. I think we're all familiar uh, with Exodus chapter 20, even though you may not know exactly what's inside. You'll recognize the Ten Commandments are found there. And before God comes down to Moses on Mount Sinai, He sets out these rules for them. And I want to read them real quickly to you. He's preparing the people for what is about to happen. The Lord said to Moses, this is 19 verse 9. The Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day. Because on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all His people. Listen to this. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, Be careful that you do not go up on the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. And in just a few verses, he's going to bring forth the Ten Commandments. Why? Why did he have to have the Ten Commandments? Did he just want his people to be good and nice and kind to each other? Don't steal, don't covet, don't lie, don't murder. You know, they do do things that good people do. Why was it so important that he set forth these rules for them to have? You want to know why? Because it says clearly in verse 19, it says, On that day, the Lord will come down. He's calling His people to be holy because He's a holy God. And He says that if you want to be in My presence, I want you to consecrate yourselves and be prepared because I am the Lord. I'm not another God. I'm not a human. I'm not someone who wants you to do nice things. I'm your Creator and your Redeemer. I'm the one who delivered you out of Egypt. And I'm coming down. Fast forward several thousand years. Jesus is sitting on the mountainside and He's preaching. The beginning of the Beatitudes says it was His followers, but at the end they reference the fact that the multitudes, it was a lot of people who were sitting there listening to Jesus. Do you know who these people are? you know who they are? They're the not yous. Have you ever been a not you? How many of you have been a not you? I've been a not you a lot. You know who not yous are, don't you? It's the one that when you go to try out for the baseball team, and you go up and you see who's on the list who made the team, and you look down on the list and you know who's, not, who's on there? Not you. Not you made the team. I remember lots of not use in my life. I remember my freshman year in basketball. We had seven players. 
seven. We, you have five on the court at a time. In about 25 games, I played about 28 minutes. <laughs> I was a not you. Freshman year at ACU. I have a great story. Come ask me sometime about Jennifer and I and how our relationship began. But at one time, she basically said, not you. <laughs> I can't imagine why. I mean, come on, look at this. <laughs> and maybe that is why. And so I decided that I was going to ask this other girl, just, just for lunch. She was in one of my classes. She said, okay, meet me down in the Nelson dorm lobby. She didn't show. But man, it was a little embarrassing sitting in that lobby. People walking by, can I help you? Nope, I'm just waiting for somebody. You know who she had lunch with? Not you. Those are kind of humorous. Had a rough spell about a year ago. I got some pretty devastating news. And I heard not you. You've heard that before, haven't you? The people sitting on the mountainside that morning... They were all not used. You see, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they'd created all these silly rules. They decided to add on and add on and add on to the commandments that God had given them so they could bar out anybody who wanted to be a part of getting to know their Creator and their Redeemer. And they would say, not you, because you've messed up. Because you don't do this the way you're supposed to. Because you're unclean. Not you. God loves people, but not you. And they sat on that mountainside, and that's all that they had heard their whole life. That you're not good enough. That you're not righteous enough. That if you did all these things, then God would love you and He would accept you, but not you. It's what the teachers of law were still teaching when Jesus came. And Jesus said on the mountain, said, This message is for not you. For all of you not yous out there who've been told that you're not good enough and you're not going to make it, I want to tell you, this is a message from God. That if you feel like you are worthless and you have nothing, then I'm telling you that you are blessed. Not because you think you earned something or because you wear this phylactery on your head that has all these scriptures stuffed in it and these, these purple robes and the little bells that jingle. That's not who he was talking to. He said, this is for the not used in the world. And he said, for those who see their sin and see their brokenness and all they can do is mourn because they hurt, you're blessed. Why? Why are they blessed? Are they blessed because they cry? It's because of this. In the same way that God said through Moses, I am coming 
on the mountain, Jesus said the same thing. He said, you want to know why you're blessed? It's not because you cry. It's not because you're poor in spirit. It's not because you hunger and thirst. It's because I'm coming here to you. That's what Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount. He says everything changes because I am your Redeemer. There are people in this life who mourn and they will continue to mourn and they will be bitter and lonely and angry. Jesus is not saying if you have a terrible life, you're blessed. He's saying if you have a terrible life and you mourn and you weep for your sin, you are blessed if you have Me in it. That's what the Beatitudes are. He's not calling you to a checklist of go give everything away and then you'll be blessed. He says, let me in. Let me in. Forget about all these things that you think you want or you need or you have to have. Let me in your life. I'm coming here to you. Forget about the money and the promotion and the cars. Don't worry about those things. Because when everything falls to pieces, you're blessed because I'm here. I'm here for the not use. I'm here for the ones who think they're not good enough. Who look back on their life of sin and realize that they have disappointed their Creator. And they think, I'm, I'm just not worthy enough. And Jesus says, you are. Do you feel that way? Do you feel blessed? Jesus spoke on the mountain, but he lived most of his life in a valley. But he ended back up on a mountain. Well, we call it a hill. But it's there that He carried His cross and your sins to die for you. And because of that, we're blessed. No matter what happens. If the wheels fall off today, we're still blessed. Because your boss or your ex-spouse, or the bank. None of them. None of them can take away what God has offered you. I'm not you. But God rescued me because of His Son, Jesus. The Beatitudes are not of, here's what you need to do. They are, here's what I've already done. That's what Jesus says to us. Trust in Him. And you will be blessed. This morning, we're going to do what we do nearly every week.
we are going to extend an invitation that began with a carpenter sitting on the side of a mountain. And that says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We extend that invitation because it was offered to us some time ago. And we're not perfect, but we're forgiven. And we pray that we will in turn pass that on to others as well. The invitation is offered to you this morning. If we can serve you in any way, if you would like to put on Jesus Christ in baptism, if you want to say, I'm ready to die and be buried like Logan did yesterday, you'll be immersed in those waters, put down, and it is as if the dirt has been thrown on you and you have been covered up. But that's not the end. You rise again and Jesus is in you. Bless it. If you need prayers of the congregation, when we stand and sing the song of invitation, you can come forward. Maybe you have a prayer request that's a little more private. Maybe you feel that poor in spiritness in your life, that mourning in your life, and you want to visit with one of our shepherds. They're here for you. We'll have one back in what we call our family room. You can go back there and privately and confidentially have them lift you up in prayer. If there's any way that we can help you this morning, please come as we stand and sing.